Good afternoon, guys, gals, and all my non-binary pals. This is Thomas White, and we are once again on Faith and Politics, a Taboo Table Talks politics, uh, podcast. I believe that Black Lives Matter, that women have the right to choose what happens to their bodies, that common sense gun control can save lives, and that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Today, we turn to a unique topic uh, that isn't necessarily at the intersection of faith and politics directly but you'll see lots of elements of both in the, what I believe is the murder and cover-up of Kendrick Johnson of Valdosta, Georgia. So let's start by introducing the panel here. We've got Ted J. Hall, a resident of Valdosta, Georgia, a longtime resident of Valdosta, Georgia. Emily Leslie, the dynamic political guru uh, from Gwinnett County. And Dr. Kyle Harris of... Uh, Professor of African American, Assistant Professor of Afri African American Studies, right, Kyle? Am I getting that right? At uh, FAMU. Okay, great, awesome. So let's start with just jumping right into it. Kendrick Johnson. For those of you that don't know, on January 11th of 2013, he was discovered in a vertical map mat that was uh, rolled up. The hole in which he was rolled up was actually more narrow than his body. He was found inside the mat, upside down blood uh, leaking from his brutalized face onto the ground. And they tried to say that after a preliminary investigation that it was positional asphyxia and an accidental death that he had went to grab a shoe that had fallen to the bottom of the mat. mat. Uh, keep in mind that the shoe had very little blood on it and that uh, his face was bruised and beaten when he was pulled out of the mat. And so they tried to allege that it was accidental. Many people have maintained that it was a murder and cover-up by local law enforcement and other people involved. Ted, what do you think? You're the, you're, you're the person that lives in Valdosta, so you get the first uh, go at this. What do you think? I think it was a, a gross, a gross, horrible miscarriage of justice. Um, if the question is, if it's a cover-up, I mean, I think the details of the last documentary kind of proved that to be right. Um, I just think it's horrible. I just think it's horrible, man. Yeah. Emily, where, where are you in? Where are you at on this? You're the outside perspective, the furthest outside as we've gone so far. Um, I would say this is definitely a cover-up 100%. And as far as the death goes, could have been uh, accidental. Uh, but it would be uh, not accidental as though he, that this, this death was not caused by something that Kendrick did. This was probably or possibly caused by a classmate. Um, so murder, cover up, um, definitely not accidental. Right. And Dr. Harris, you are the closest thing in this nation to an expert on what Black people have gone through in this nation through all of history from an academic perspective, uh, what do you think? Murder, cover-up, accidental? Uh, you gotta unmute. Yep, there you yes, go. I stand with Emily as well as with uh, TJ uh, that I believe uh, that it was a cover-up uh, as it relates. And one thing that sticks out to me is the blunt force trauma uh, to that of the head and neck area. Um, and of course we know that they're reinvestigating or have reopened uh, this case, uh, but that just stood out to me uh, as it relates to, uh, I would say, their initial findings. Of course, we hope uh, to uh, hear better news uh, as it relates to the reopening of the case. However, uh, based on uh, the investigations pre-March 2021, it was clearly a cover-up. Right. Right. So one of the things that most makes me think uh, that it was a cover-up, I'm going to turn to one uh, simple fact from the autopsy. When the body arrived at the funeral home, all the internal organs had been taken out prior to arriving at the funeral home and stuffed with, uh, the body cavity had been stuffed with paper. So that shows me that somebody had done something outside of procedure at the very least in uh, 
preventing a second autopsy from taking place, not to mention the stuff leading up to the investigation in which uh, one of his relatives, uh, his mother, was uh, searching for him in which the sheriff's deputy said, oh, he's probably laid up with someone somewhere, which in itself shows a disregard. Ted, what do you think? To quote the officer, he said, he's probably laid up with some fast-tailed girl. Wow. I mean, just think about that. In, in the crux of trying to find a child, a mother is losing her mind, all kinds of grief and anxiety, and you tell them, oh, that's okay. You know how you know how these kids are. You know how these black boys are. He's, he's probably somewhere having sex with someone. Just made my stomach turn watching it. And you being a you're you being a mental health expert, I'm curious to uh, to know your opinion on what the type of trauma that can do to a family member. Being told that, and then to find out just a couple hours later, uh, not only the trauma of their child being dead, but to find out that the officer completely disregarded that. I can talk about that in two ways. I can talk about how that could cause trauma for a family and cause post-traumatic stress disorder. And some of the some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, or you put up emotional walls. It's hard for you to tell people how you feel because you basically are sent the message that no one cares about you. Um, you know, you kind of develop a get them before they get me attitude because once again, you've kind of been sent the message that everyone's your enemy. But I also want to kind of take it to a historical trauma thing. And I guess I can throw this to Kyle as well. Um, one of the things that that documentary pointed out is the amount of trauma that African-Americans have dealt with since we've been in this country. Um, and a lot of people don't talk about trauma in terms of it being a historical thing. But trauma is passed down from generation to generation. And for the people that tell Black people, hey, get over it. This stuff is this stuff is done with, man. This is the 21st century. We're in a post-racist time. I think this documentary kind of showed that we have a long way to go, and some of our trauma is justified. And Kyle, weigh in here on the uh, the trauma of history adding up here. All trauma at this juncture as it relates to the Black experience is justified in this nation. Um, from a historical point of view, uh, of course, Black people have been in Anglo-America uh, since 1619. Uh, just thinking about uh, the Middle Passage prior to that, of either you want to take the date of August 1619 or March 1619, um, the three to six month, month voyage, uh, ultimately aboard uh, slave ships, being enslaved here uh, in this country. Uh, by the time of the Salem witch trials, uh, criminality had uh, become associated with the black face uh, as it relates to the ultimate disruptions, I'd say, of uh, white Christian Puritan society uh, there in the 1600s. And that is going to ultimately continue uh, until uh, September 11th, uh, 2021 here. Um, so we're looking at 400 years of trauma uh, and Black people have every right to be angry. Black people have every right uh, to be suspicious uh, ultimately of the criminal justice system, to be suspicious of this country, all right, as it relates to the documents that were put in place, the Declaration of Independence and how that was written and written and Black people were erased from it, uh, the uh, drafting of the Constitution, so many pieces there uh, ultimately uh, justify uh, the anger justify uh, the mysticism uh, that people of color, that women, that LGBT society, all of these people that are not rich, white, straight, and, and rich, rich, white, and straight, uh, and male, uh, have to do with this country because of, if we think back to that of Jeff Davis, the um, president of the Confederacy, um, on the brink of uh, the Confederacy pulling away from this nation, he reiterated in the congressional chambers that this country was made by white men 
for right. white men, all right? And those are things that uh, we have to consider. And there is no way, and I, I, I stand with my cousin TJ, if he wasn't my cousin, I would still stand with him. I stand with him in saying that there's no way that we can possibly evaluate trauma as it relates to African-Americans in this country without taking into consideration history, and most specifically, the racist history of this country. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have to deal with that. I know that we're on this whole little trend of let's unite, let's unite, let's unite. And that's fine and dandy. But of course, there are some problems uh, that have been with us since 1776 that we have been arguing unite, unite, unite um, without fixing those problems. So I'd say as it relates uh, to this entire piece with the cover up here of Kendrick Johnson, this is not, uh, I'd say, news uh, to Black people, all right? As we look at this country and the way in which it was set up and how Black people were regarded as animals, we were property, all right? We were three-fifths of a man all the way up until uh, 1870, all right, and so forth and so on. And just looking at what people call Miss Emily the Civil War, there was absolutely nothing civil about that war, all right, as, as Jamel Bowie caused it in 400 Souls, it was the first war to end white supremacy. However, we the see last war. that it's not the last war, but it was the first war to end white supremacy. But of course, we know that, of course, white supremacy is still with us. It reared its head. W.E.B. Du Bois talks about or paraphrases in Dusk of Dawn that Black people moved out into the sun during Reconstruction and then moved back into the clouds post-Reconstruction. So I'm saying all of that to say there that there clearly there's work to be done. Uh, as I think about uh, all of the people, all of the officials that were involved there, the police, the U.S. attorneys, uh, the lawyers, and so forth and so on, all of those people answer to us, all right, in one way or another, all right, the U.S. attorney generals that are appointed all over this nation, of course, our popular vote elects, in essence, is supposed to, in essence, um, influence that electoral vote where that president is put in place, all right? And then that president appoints these U.S. attorney generals, and then our authentic popular vote in the Senate confirms these people. So questions need to be asked of these elected officials, of the sheriffs, of the U.S. attorney generals. What is your experience in community policing? What is your experience with Black people, period? All right, and if you don't have any experience there, ultimately you should not be opining on or trying to justify or negate trauma, anger, suspicion in black communities. You have ultimately no credibility there. It's just like me attempting Thomas or Miss Emily to teach chemistry. I can come in here all day and talk about carbon and covalent bonds and ionic bonds, but clearly my resume says Black history. It doesn't add up. So you until we start holding these elected officials accountable, these pieces will continue. The trauma will continue until someone decides to take the experiences of women to take the experiences of people of color, to take the experiences of LGBT society seriously. They're going to continue. So we have to hold these politicians, these sheriffs, these attorney generals to the carpet, all right? We have to make sure that ultimately they are doing their jobs as it relates to us. Um, and this is one last piece I have to share. And I know we have so much going on in Thomas TJ. Y'all know I can talk for days. Go ahead, let it out. After the end of the first war to end white supremacy in the South, actually, TJ, Black voters outnumber white folks, all right, in the South, all right? So that was the reason for the Klan. That was the reason for the Knights of the White Camellia. That was the reason for the, for the brotherhood of, of white men and so forth and so on to inflict violence. And because of that violence over the generations, because it has been normalized, because these people feel as if they have won, 
all right? We have rulings that we have seen from 2013 all the way down to the present as it relates to the murder. And I'm not going to say murder. I'm going to say lynchings of Black men in this country. Anytime you use extra legal violence to kill anyone, all right, of ultimately those pieces are lynching. So I, I just believe that it starts with us as voters making sure that people are well-versed in their communities. Don't come into our churches, into our schools during election season saying what you're going to do for us. What have you done? And if you have not done anything, it's time for you to go build your resume and come back to see us 10 years later. That's all I got to say. Yeah. And I think you have a, uh, you have a good point about what you said about unite, unite, unite. But the reality is that unity won't happen until everyone recognizes the disparities in this country, the, the difference in what different groups in this country go through and how they are. You had two different narratives going on when the United States was established. So it's just like in one, one out. All right. So therefore, we were never united from the beginning. So as Ephraim Kendi says, the author of 400 Souls, the author of from the beginning, the defendant for history of racist ideas, we have to come back ultimately and talk about those two opposing narratives. It was not meant for us. And we have normalized these pieces by saying with liberty and justice for all. And oh, say can you see by the dome's early night. And those pieces ultimately do not speak to our experience. And it, and, and it causes the anger. It causes right. us to be, every time you say that, I stopped saying it, Thomas, in eighth grade. People called me racist for not saying it. All right. right. In essence, not understanding what racism was, what, what racism, what racism really was. I racism went to high school with you. That doesn't surprise me. Ultimately, that this country had our best interests in mind, and clearly, statistics say at 6:40 p.m. on September 11, 2021, that they do not have our best interest in mind. And you don't have to look any further than George Lee, 1955 in Mississippi, Reverend George Lee. He used a printing press and his pulpit to try to uh, persuade black people to register to vote, vote in the community. And he was murdered in broad daylight for doing it, for having done it. And so that in itself shows in the South, people tried to keep black people from being involved in the process. Uh, and, and, and then you war. have the, this wave of black people leaving the South during the Great Migration as right. refugees going to New Jersey and to Chicago and and oh and to Massachusetts and so forth as refugees because ultimately the end the war to end white supremacy ultimately we lost. All right, the people that were supposedly on our side were racist. All right, they did not believe in black people operating in autonomous spaces without white control. All right, so it's just like <laughs> it, it was a mess from the beginning. All right, right so we have to right. fix those pieces first, and no one wants to ask those hard questions, but they have to be asked, and we have to do the work ultimately of fixing those pieces. It's just like me saying, Emily, that I stole your coat, your beautiful blazer 20 years ago, but now things have changed and you can go out and buy another one, but I'm keeping yours. Yeah, all right, so, fine, fine. You know. that's all I gotta say, Thomas. I'm, I'm, all right. No, Emily, Emily, weigh in here. You've been on the front lines uh, more than anybody I know. Okay, so First off, every single bit, um, I, I was looking for a pen desperately to try and take notes while Kyle was talking because this was so, um, and I'll start here. So as far as voting, we were talking about um, uh, Black Americans, African Americans being involved in the process. And I can say this as far as statewide campaigns. Um, when I was down in, uh, Lowndes County, when I was down in Glynn County, Ware County, um, all of these southern, rural, uh, southeast Georgia counties, there is a an absolute atmosphere 
of that 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 you can feel when you go. I mean, as a white person, I can feel icky white. I know when I feel it. I know when you have that feeling of just uh, racism and it's there, it's thick, it's in the air, you can feel it. And they still were intimidating. Um, there, there were people who were getting cards in the mail that were telling them not to go to the polls. These were black people who were, li- who were registered voters. This happened during the 2020 runoffs. This happened during the 2021 runoff. And this happened, I, I was down in Valdosta. I was there when um, I believe Trump was coming. Um, there were several times I would go down to these rural areas um, down to Ware County and meet up with local organizers down there. In the middle of the night, we would go put up signs for their local black candidates running for office because the fear uh, it was so ingrained into the community because of such generational trauma and the the ever-present um, threat that, that was felt to this day and the intimidation of people not they didn't want them to be involved in the political process and so in valdosta where you see places like valdosta where you see there uh, i believe it's over 50 percent of the population is black yet you have uh you had at the time i think it was very much a, a stronghold of power that is a very um i don't know if i want to say it but still very uh very um i mean white supremacy this is this is it and you can see that there's obviously something going on in these counties where you see the population there should be more of a balance of power but it doesn't exist because of the withholding of information the withholding of education the systems they have in place to disenfranchise voters um and these systems that are meant to um, meant meant to um, to to further uh, keep African Americans from voting and from being involved in the process. So that is clearly at play here. Then on another note, with this unity, 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 that drives me nuts because anytime we're dealing with trauma, as he said, you can't just say. You know, oh, that happened, but we're just going to ignore it and and move on. We're not going to acknowledge it. We're not going to validate it. We're not going to say, oh, yes, this happened. Um, you're correct. We're not going to, I mean, and just to sweep it under the rug and move forward, that is toxic. That's gaslit as all get out. I mean, that is so like you said, saying, oh, I did this horrible thing to you, but I'm not going to acknowledge. I stole your blazer. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to give anything back. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any type of effort on my behalf to do anything to publicly say, yes, I stole this. It was wrong. I'm going to replace it and I'm going to change the behavior. And then I'm going to tell my peers, hey, don't steal. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to tell you to forget it and move on because it was, it's in the past. You know, it's just a very selfish way of going about things that I think we see um, from white people all the time. And this isn't just, um, it's just, you know, oh, well, I don't want to, they don't want to talk. Like, it just baffles me how the, people are so comfortable watching other people struggle and live through such trauma over and over again we see every single day the injustice that is that happens in communities of color and and then we expect everyone just to be fine oh it's fine get over it it's fine but are so sensitive when anything happens to us you know but we expect everyone else to have this real um you know it's just a very selfish uh Selfish culture, I think. And And I can say as a white man that grew up in South Georgia, that racism was ingrained in my actions and thought patterns without me even consciously realizing I was doing it because it was so institutional. But it's the reality that the way I thought, the way I acted, 
the friends I chose, the people I talked to and how I talked to them, uh, it was all, there was a grain of race in there and uh, discrimination based on that. And it took me, I was talking to TJ before everybody came on. It took me, uh, it was in my twenties before I realized the mistakes I was made. And then it was an uh, mistakes I had made. And then it was a evolution to get to where I am now. And it's going to be a a continuous evolution to uh, realize that our society has been for so many years since beyond 1776, as Kyle said, since uh, even before 1619, that our society has looked as black people as inferior, people of color in general as inferior. And now we are fighting to change that. But the first step in fighting to change that is realizing where we're wrong and the mistakes that we have made. And most of those mistakes are because of people that look like me. And now, and these are gonna be some very graphic images I'm about to show everybody, the panel and anybody watching on YouTube, I'm gonna show some a very graphic image of uh, Kendrick Johnson's face. But this is what it leads to. Clearly, this young man did not die of positional asphyxiation. Clearly, this young man was beaten and bruised before he got into that mat. Something happened to him. There are bruises all over his face, busted lips, blood. Clearly, something happened, and we ignored it. We as a society as a whole ignored it. And it was because I think, I think of institutional racism. Ted, you were going to say something? I was. Um, first and foremost, those images are very, are, they kind of remind me of the whole Emmett Till fiasco. Like that is, that's, that's the first thing that popped in my head when I saw that. It's horrible. Just to kind of speak back to Kyle's point, um, and to kind of bring this full circle to, to the Kendra Johnson thing, the fact that Black people are looked at less than, not only is that indicative in almost every aspect of life, watching that documentary, one of the things that really stood out to me. Finding Kendra Johnson, right? Yes. Finding Kendra Johnson. Yeah. Finding Kendra Johnson, which, by the way, audience, if you haven't been able to check it out, do yourself and watch, uh, do yourself a favor and watch this. It is streaming it is on informative. Amazon Prime. Yes, it's informative and eye opening. But one of the things that stood out to me when his body was discovered, school did not stop. They kept going on for the rest of the day. There was no shutdown in the school. And that in itself was mind blowing to me mind-blowing to me how do you find a student dead no matter how you think he died and you continue to let classes resume for the day it it made my stomach turn um tj they wouldn't even let his mom see his body they wouldn't even let his mom see his body it's it's horrible and that kind of brings me back to why things like this happen um i'm I'm what's called a cognitive behavioral therapist. And so basically what that means is I think that everything that we feel, everything that we do is a sum of the things that we believe. And in order for us to truly change our behavior and our patterns of behavior, we have to change what we think. Well, one of the reasons why white supremacy has been so effective um, is because it has caused people to to look at black people as less than and kind of like ants. And one of the things that I know about life is the hammer does not worry how the nail feels. Like the hammer has never thought about, oh, it must really hurt that nail to be pounded on. It's the nail that has to worry about constantly being hit from the hammer. And it has been so effective because with trauma, you feel like you don't have control of your life. And going back to the voting thing, this is one of the reasons why a lot of black people don't vote. And I wish this was something that could change. But trauma sends the message to us that we don't have control. And when you don't have control, you're, gonna, you're not likely to be an active participant in whatever is going on around you. That's, that's in society as a whole. And that's one of the symptoms of people who have post-traumatic stress disorder. Sometimes they just shut down and they let life control them. And it makes sense because 
we as black people have been told that we don't have a lot of control. And this Kendra Johnson thing kind of kind of drives that point home for a lot of people. TJ, I haven't uh, spoken to Kyle in 17 years. Our, our paths just haven't uh, crossed, but I can tell that he wants to say something right now. Uh, I'm having flashbacks to high school. I can tell that Kyle wants to say something right now. Kyle, please weigh in with what TJ's saying. Uh, just, you know, TJ, everything that you were saying was just spot on. Emily, spot on. Everybody's just spot on. Um, most specifically, the last piece about trauma associated with voting. Um, going back to Reconstruction, when Black voters essentially outnumbered white voters in the South, essentially this could have been ultimately, we think about uh, ultimately coastal South Carolina and the number of Black representatives that they had in Congress. The entire South could have been represented by the majority because that's what democracy does. It represents the majority. But as we look at the institution of slavery, that mental piece, all right, we're in the mental violence that was associated with slavery, white supremacists were banking on those pieces even during the institution of slavery, wherein black people in a lot of cases like here in Tallahassee outnumbered white folk in the 1860 census three to one. So ultimately TJ, that would have been a quick insurrection here in Tallahassee. This could have been Tallahassee, all right, in 1860. <laughs> If they were not banking on the trauma that was associated with that institution, the violence coupled with this gold white centered Jesus narrative that they were giving, giving us worked to suppress people. And as it relates to voting, the Klan coming in and ultimately uh, Philip Dre has a book about uh, entitled titled At the Hands of Persons Unknown. And the first chapter there talks about the lynching of Sam Holes. And, and the chapter title is A Negro's Life is a Very Cheap Thing in Georgia, wherein ultimately entire communities, thousands of white people came together ultimately to lynch black people. And when ultimately federal authorities came in, ultimately we find that no one was ever charged. And we're back at this same place again here. But you have to think about generations, all right? Ultimately, Black people have found themselves at the hand of the Klan to trees, all right, immediately after the first war to end white supremacy, all right? After white supremacy reigned triumphant during the years of 1880 all the way down to 1960, Black people were essentially moved back into slavery. Uh, as we think about the 13th Amendment, all right, those racists purposefully left that loophole in there for the South to win again through labor contracts, all right, through throwing people in jail and making them slaves of the state. And the entire time, Ultimately, Black people supposedly have the right to vote, to vote, but if nothing is changing, Emily, all right, that's what racism does to the mind. If I'm still making minimum wage last year and the year before last, I, I am led to believe that nothing will change in 2022. That's what racism and capitalism does to the mind. You can be so poor, you can be so oppressed until you won't vote. And that's what rich, white, straight men are banking on. That's what they were banking on in 1619 to keep us out of this supposed democracy that they have. So until we address capitalism, until we address institutionalized racism, all of these people pieces go together, until we address systemic racism, until we address mass incarceration, until we address school to prison pipelines, people are never going to be compelled to vote if I've never been exposed to the light, if I've never experienced the light, I'm banking on darkness, all right? And these conservative agendas wherein they're uh, subtly, and I'd say during the Trump administration, overtly um, favoring white people and 
white organizations and so forth, coupled with this new conservative agenda and tokenism, what they see is ultimately America is still not answering to me, all right? The problems that I go through working at chicken factories and chicken processing plants and um, paper meals and sewing factories and in fast food restaurants, nothing is changing for me. So why should I vote? Absolutely. But ultimately we have to, and this lesson I'm gonna say, hold these people accountable. Remember what they did not do, all right? When instances of race violence took place in that community, remembering those pieces. And ultimately if they're not answering our needs, we should run. All right, asking those hard questions during debates, all right, and so forth and so on. Because again, that trauma, that's what white supremacists are banking on. That violence associated with racism, that's what they're banking on to keep us from the post. That economic, Emily, that economic intimidation of rallying with Black Voters Matter, with supporting Abrams, with supporting these liberal agendas, what will happen after we leave? All right, and this is the last thing I gotta say. Of course, we had all of this federal intervention that came in with these enforcement acts that were supposed to target the Klan during the 1870s and 80s. Of course, federal authorities came in ultimately to call the Klan, but again, they were not listening to Black voices, Emily, Black people were not concerned about what was happening at the polls. They needed federal intervention after the polls closed. That's when the lynchings took place. But again, Black voices were not centered. All right, so we have all of these symbolic gestures, but where is institutional reform? All right, where is the restructuring of resources to benefit marginalized populations. Those, those pieces are not happening. And the reality is it's not just, it's not just politics, it's not just the government, Woo! not just society as a whole reinforcing this, but the Christian church has played a major role. Major, in, okay. A major role in continuing this. For example, I'm just gonna put up this example. My uh, last podcast episode, was uh, called Black Lives Matter to Bear Witness. Basically, Emily and I uh, discussed her experience in the protest in Atlanta. Uh, one of the lines I said is, it's our job not to lead the movement, but to bear witness to the grief and the struggle and to say, hey, yeah, we, we helped cause this. We're, we have to stand up to it too, because other white people have to know this is wrong, but... So I put, uh, I put the post up and it said, Black Lives Matter. If you don't believe this, it should be easy for a Christian to understand. Unfortunately, we found that some people would rather use the name of Christ to justify hate. I think it's a very basic understanding of Christianity that Black Lives Matter, that you should be able to go right along uh, with the movement, completely understand it. Some of the many comments, we had over 315 comments uh, on that post in a week. I will just read you the top three. Why is there a cross displayed on this atheist ad? No abortions, all lives matter. Just because I put Black Lives Matter on there. Make no mistake, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist terrorist criminal organization. They have rioted, blocked roads, burned, vandalized, and threatened people. No one should ever support BLM. All lives matter. Nothing hateful about that. How about the millions of babies that have been slaughtered? Their lives matter too. So go peddle your papers where people are stupid. Black lives matter or Marxist. Marxism is a godless movement. That's the, those are the comments from white Christians on a post that all it said was black lives matter. And it should be easy for a Christian to understand that but it has been so reinforced by the church. Go ahead, TJ. I'm sorry. I was just about to say, can you say trigger? Yeah. It triggers <laughs> you. And, and the thing about it, they, they scream, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But this same go white Jesus justified or supported the transatlantic slave trade. This same Jesus 
supported segregation. This same Jesus supported Jim Crow. This same Jesus, in essence, is supporting racism today. And these Trumpers and people that are these, this same oppressive Jesus is not allowing right, women to have the right to choose. So the question becomes, where did they receive this warped impression of this go white centered Jesus? It was rooted in this capitalistic system. When you think about trans the transatlantic slave trade, the Catholic church sanctioned it first. The Pope looked around and said 10% of the assets that will be raised from black backs will come to the Vatican. So why, yes, we will use Genesis, uh, the story, the curse of Ham. Why, yes, we will use Paul's uh, slaves um, obey your masters. Why, yes, we will use Puritan society to say that we have equal bodies, uh, equal souls, but we have unequal bodies. So the thing about it, it goes back to our understanding of who Jesus really is. And for so many Americans, they sit from Sunday to Sunday under this oppressive, racist, patriarch patriarchal religion, all right? And, and, and ultimately, if I don't support all lives, I go to hell. It's just like, it's like, Emily, you talking about breast cancer awareness during October, but I interrupt your speech to say, but no, all cancers matter. It's all about prostate. All right, so you look stupid. All right, and so- Yes, you look stupid. That's a good that, way that, That's all I'm going to say. Now, <laughs> yes. you said that. I've count, I should have started writing it down, but I think we're on like 22 times you've said that this podcast. No, 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 no. Keep going as long as you want to go, because uh, <laughs> I'm here for it today. Emily, uh, you are in a unique position on this panel and uh, on this podcast. One, you're a woman. Two, you're a Muslim. So you can give us an outside perspective on this. What do you think here? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> I mean, um, uh, I don't understand the I do not understand where, to, to be honest, Christians have always mesmerized me in many ways. I find um, the logic or lack of to be almost magical thinking. Um, it doesn't seem to be your behavior, not you, but the, you know, just the, the behaviors don't seem you have this book right you know the bible and there's a lot of quoting and there's a lot of uh you know easter stuff there's a lot of um wwjd there's a lot of there's problematic. A, a problem yes problematic prophesizing let's call it that so there's a lot of you're not gonna find a muslim banging on your door telling you to come to jesus and you know why because we believe that we are all created differently to learn from each other. Okay. Wow. It's powerful. Believe, but you wouldn't know that because the Christians don't want you to know that. And right? that I'm glad that you say that because one of the other top comments is it might have something to do with Muslims killing Christians around the world. That is literally what somebody else posted on there simply because in the description, I mentioned that you were a Muslim. Let's go there. So Muslims killing Christians around the world. <sighs> You know, I think it's interesting that um, oftentimes that like in, in uh, first of all, as a Muslim, it's not okay to kill anybody unless it's in self-defense, first of all. Second of all, um, I believe it is the white supremacy in this country that causes all the mass shootings and all the deaths and everything else. I believe that that, um, you know, but then the second, you know, you just Somebody, swung hard on that. You just swung hard on that one, Emily. If someone named Abdullah happens to do something, then we got a real problem with terrorism, right? If a brown person has a gun, it's terrorism. But when a white kid or a white man goes and shoots up a school or at a church or burns the firebombs, a black church, then it's mental crazy. health, right? Mental health, yeah. It's a mental health crisis. And you know what? It's video games and it's, whoa, will you much? And let's, let's escort him safely don't bump your head on the back of the cruiser so we can take you to jail and get you a hot meal and some warm socks okay and that's that's a real bullshit i'm sorry that's nonsense here but the thing is is that the christians 
oh, oh, do unto others as you would have those do unto you. You know what? I have never been um, bullied by a Muslim. I've never been uh, bullied by a Black person. I've never had any issues with anyone other than self-righteous Christians who think that they are above all, better than all, and dare I say, a little air of supremacy about them, you know? Oh. And the thing is, is that I don't, um, and it's, it's the way that, that there's this whole narrative, a, a whole narrative about the the Muslims. Oh, they're doing, you know, what was the quote that, oh, the Muslims killing Christians all over the world. I wonder how many Muslims the person who wrote this has actually met. How many people have they have? How many Muslims have they broken bread with? How many? None, probably. I'll right? raise you one. I'll raise you one because the next thing he goes on to talk about is skin color. So I raise you one. I bet you he hasn't sat down with many people that don't look like him. Period. Shocking, yeah. And that's and that's uh, you know, and this goes. And when I was watching, I'm going to jump topics just because I think this is important. Um, I. When you look, and I know this just from, you know, with my sons, and I'm, when we're talking about history and it being factual in, in what happened uh, in, in this country and what still goes on um, as far as the, the brutalization of Black people, the enslavement, the kidnapping, the torture, the trauma, the medical experiments, the nonsense, when we talk about all that, you know what? Our kids don't know what we're talking about because in school, they're not taught. And that's the problem. It's because it's the ignorance. And you know what the first way to keep people under control is? A lack of education. They will take education first so that if you can't, if you don't know any different, you're not gonna change anything. So if our kids don't know any different and they don't know what went on, guess what? They're gonna continue to traumatize black children. Yes. And black people because they don't yes. know what happened so they say something insensitive without even sure. knowing on a conscious level that they that they're hurting someone because the schools are doing the same crap they're keeping the truth from children so our kids don't know that they used to bring thousands of white people families come bring a picnic dinner come watch us murder this black man and his family and ha let's all just have a grand old time they don't realize that they that the that in our medical schools that the mythology that still exists within the the medical system that they don't understand that experimentation was done that still goes on that that the these this thinking this crazy thinking for example oh black skin is thicker and more pain resistant yes. That's why when a person of color comes into an ER in pain, they're less likely to be taken seriously because in wow. these, med yes, and this is, this is true. And right? we wonder why there's a fear in the black community about vaccine. And we you wonder, wonder why. why there's a fear about everything because it should be. If I, how would you not be afraid? If your kid goes to school, I remember when this happened and they're saying it was an accident. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are we, is, so is everyone, we're all, are we going along with this? We're all going to say this really was an accident, fell into a mat. I mean, and then there's, of course, that the was nar more narrow than his shoulders. He, the mat was, it was 14 inches. He had 19 inch shoulders, right? Yeah. And then you have this affidavit that's come up that I don't know if they go over in the documentary or not, but that's come out of a, this, the, uh, one of his peers, I guess, who was there that he was actually hit in the head with one of the weights, killed that way, called his daddy in the FBI, had his dad come in, covered all up that whole thing. And it's like, that's that's more of the, um, I mean, that's more of this whole white cover up, you know, get away with whatever. You get away with everything. And I think that if, if our our kids aren't taught, back to, back to this, I mean, if, like if that is true, this kid calls his daddy who's in the FBI and says, oh, come, come help me. I've done this, you know, what a terrifying thought to see this happen and to see that, oh, somebody can actually call their dad when they've killed someone and have it covered up through his father's white connections. I mean, and the, 
all for to protect this this kid i mean this other white this white kid who has taken the life of a person and just to think that that whole scenario this is real this really happens how could you not live and to touch because it really happens because we're taught that way time it's privilege and then why would people want to be involved in a system in a political system that's never done a damn thing for them because guess what it's the old white straight rich men like like kyle saying that benefit from this system that's Mm -hmm. why municipal elections no one shows up to vote because guess what no one benefits but these people and that's why when they are all sitting in their absentee ballots or doing this that you know they got on lockdown and we're just figuring it out right we're all just figuring it out oh because we're all so busy oppressed and working for this capitalist system like he says that we're too tired we're too this you know it's just everything's down this is the best it's going to be and then the politicians come into the black churches talking to them about racism what they really should be doing is going to their white churches and talking to them about racism absolutely Yes. Or, or, or not mentioning racism, period, when they come. Yeah. Or just changing things. But they Wow, Kyle, that was a that was powerful. Not mentioning racism at all. But that's what constantly come. happens is they go into black and you see this all the time. Everybody knows this. Election season comes around. Oh, go into churches. Go to the churches. Go here. Go there. Oh, oh, now you want to hear from the Muslims, right? Now you want to hear from the Muslims. Now you want to. Let's call the imam up. You know, we're real concerned about what the Muslims, you know, but after that, it's it's done. How about just engaging and breaking bread with each other all the time? How about building real connections in our communities that are sustainable so that if something happens in the Muslim community and we need help, we know that somebody from another community is going to reach out to us. You know, why don't we do that and build real alliances that could go around power that we can look out for each other and have some real like some some real uh meaningful connections that that can move elections that can sway politicians that we can uh cultivate leadership from and within and have people be really accountable to the communities because we know each other not because somebody wrote a check you know wow Wow. get off my uh my tangent TJ, you've been wanting to weigh in for a second now. No, I'm just listening to these beautiful, intelligent people um, say things that I totally agree with. Um, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Kendra Johnson's parents because we're talking about how, how scary it is as Black people to fight against the system because at every turn, we've been told that your words and your actions don't mean anything. But they stood up. Those people marched and rallied and were arrested all because they refused to let that power go. They refused to stand down. They refused to be told that we don't matter. And they're like local heroes down here. So I want to give a shout out to them. And they've Um, continued to battle it in courts despite people trying to fight them every step of the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, And just hearing the things that Emily was talking about just then, I want those things to happen. But I don't think those things are possible until people change their beliefs about the other side. And it's, and going back to Christianity, I grew up a Christian, and there's so many beliefs that are taught in the Bible that have frankly made me a, a better person morally. But one of the things that is taught in the Bible that I think a lot of people don't look at, and maybe they should more, um, is that if you're not one of us, you're going to hell. That yeah. almost tells us, that almost preaches uh, to us I am inherently better than you. I don't have right. to take you into account. I'm one That's of the exactly favorites yeah. that made this thing. And so when you look at it like that, I almost feel like putting a Bible in front of someone is almost like putting a Rorschach ink blot test in front of somebody. What but, you're going to get that out was, of this? But that was used to TJ to kill millions of Native yes. Americans. Yes. That was killed to, to used to kill millions of indigenous people around the world, enslaved 12.5 million, I was 12. About to say, million yeah, African, was... persons of African descent. That same line right there, it is ultimately a colonizing message wherein all of these systems of oppression have been codified in this white-centered Christianity. And the crazy part about it is, and don't forget, 
the people that are using it as a, as you said, as an imperialistic colonization message, aren't even the people that were originally with the religion. They have co-opted no. the religion yes. and used it for their own purposes. Okay, okay, let me jump in here because Emily said something that I thought was just- on We have time. to finish soon, right. we have to finish but, soon. Okay, <laughs> and this is the last piece. The reason Kyle why, as Emily said, that this narrative, this, 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 white male-centered narrative continues is because ultimately the voices of non-Christians, the voices of people of color, the voices of indigenous people, those voices are not being centered and properly entertained in our school systems. So systems, And then now we have a Republican backlash from governors all over this form of Confederacy saying that critical race theory is racist. All right. Mm -hmm. So they don't want ultimately the voices of people of color to have any right. validity. They don't want the voices of Muslims. They don't want the voices of Hindus to have any type of credibility as it relates to art, science, philosophy, and so forth and so on. Because ultimately, if women, if people of color, if non-Christians have a seat at the table, ultimately rich white straight men will become obsolete and they understand that. the crazy part right, is so therefore that's why they're holding true to making america great again holding true to that conservative philosophy because ultimately they ultimately they're losing the battle Right. And if right. they can't legalize these pieces as they're doing, if they can't stop abortions, if they can't keep the voices of color out of our school systems, they will lose this war. Right. right. That's all I have to say. So the, the crazy war, part is, I'm glad you brought that up because the crazy part is they don't know what critical race theory actually is. They just hear uh, Thomas. They don't want to know. All right. Exactly. They just race, know it paints them in a negative light. They don't That's want to have anything to do with it. All right. Because right. ultimately, race is a touchy topic. I just saw here on social right. media. Ultimately, if I'm not ultimately, if if I'm not a racist, it's not a touchy topic for me. All right. If I believe in women's rights, Emily, I can come in the room with you all and support whatever you all are doing. But if I don't believe in women's rights, I have a serious issue with your women's agenda. All right. And that's it. Spot on. All right. A hit dog, as they say in Blakely TJ, will holler every right. time. So if you don't have a problem with racism, if you have a, excuse me, if you find racism problematic, if you find the voices of non-Christians problematic, you're racist within yourself. You're prejudiced within itself. You are ultimately a bigot. And yes. bigots founded this country. All right, bigots are ultimately 255 years of bigotry in this country. So until we go back to the original system, the curriculum that was put in place at Harvard University that laid the uh, the map or the blueprint for white-centered education in this country, until we go back and fix that, it will continue, all right? It will continue, all right? And ultimately, they are banking on people being comfortable in this ignorance and taking this ignorance to be truth. Thomas, that's all I'm going to say. No, I 23 now. We're at 23 now. No, I'm... Uh... I'm just joking. I'm glad that you guys are. Unfortunately, I did promise that I would keep this near an hour. So we have to wrap up. I'm going to go to everybody. We're going to start with Ted. You guys keep hearing me call him TJ. I'm sorry, Ted. I grew up with the guy. I can't help it. Uh, Ted, take get, leave us with some final words. Uh, in order for us to change racism, we have to really take a look at the things that we believe. And I think a lot, most racists look at the world in an all or nothing, black or white type of thinking. And as a mental health therapist, that is unhealthy and irrational because the world isn't lived in the black or white. The world yeah. is lived in the gray. People aren't good or bad. People are complex. I'm not either right or wrong. I'm right or wrong based off of where the perspective and where I'm standing at. And so I think people have to understand that it's not that I'm better than you and you're better than me. We have to bring things together. And until we're willing to bring things together, until we're willing to take a look at everything and not just say as good as bad or I'm better than you or vice versa, things aren't going to get better. Um, and just as a Valdosta resident, um, as, 
in a place that, by the way, is majority black. Um, it is heartbreaking what happened with Mr. Johnson. Um, you know, I, this conversation uh, touched on a lot of topics, but just to bring it back to Mr. Johnson, it is heartbreaking. Um, but hopefully this allows us to hold those people accountable who had their hands in this. Because if we don't, this is just another win for white supremacy. This is just another thing for people to look back at, and especially us as black people, and be like, damn, they won again. What's the point of me taking part of this? What's the right. point of me using my voice when the only thing that's going to happen, even when it's this blatant, that people are going to say, nah, who cares, and move on. And so we got to continue to use our voices to talk about these things, to hold these people accountable. Because if not, this is just another notch in the cap of white supremacy. Wow, that's, you're 100% right. Emily, some final thoughts. Um, I think my final, final thought is going to be that I would appeal to all the parents of white children, especially males. Um, and I would just say, educate your children. The right now, the schools don't do it if your kids are in public school and, you know, I and or perhaps I don't know. No one is teaching. We have to teach our children history. We have to teach our children um the, the things that they need to know to progress as a society and to understand and appreciate each other for our differences and our history. And, but we have to do that in an honest way. Um, I, I would hope that we can take a real hard look at the way that we're raising our children, the way we are letting our children speak to each other. Um, and I hope that we are raising our children to listen. And I want, um, and this may, may seem, uh, you know, hokey or ridiculous, but I, I do believe that until it's going to take a lot for the change that we need to see uh, come about. And I think that it's critical for us to do what we can at home so that at least we have children who are equipped and prepared and have the uh, knowledge they need to be able to challenge the systems, challenge their teachers, and challenge the, 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 the books that they're being given to read, and challenge all of these systems themselves and know what's true. Because until these discussions happen, and we have people trying to actually stop discussion from happening, I, I, want, I want us all to encourage our children to, um, to be the, the loud mouth in the room, to be the one to speak up, to be the one to to say, hey, I mean, I did it my whole life as a kid. I remember um, and so true about, um, I think it was Ted who said that we learned that, oh, if you're not like us, you're going to hell. That's what I remember about Christianity. However, I do know some really, some people who I look at them, I'm like, that's what a Christian is, you know? Um, but that being said, I just, I want us to make sure that we we are raising uh, responsible young people to to do better than we did and to and to uh, have the the what it takes to challenge and um, challenge teachers challenge challenge the system speak up and be loud and pick each other up because without them um, you know I, it's hard to think that that the fight for um, equality because that doesn't exist right now. Um, that needs to, uh, we, need, we need to have little, little minds that, that are learning, learning what they need to know to move forward and to, to know that, that uh, our success and, our, um, and as, as a society, it's tied to each other, not our own. So, and to smash capitalism, that's it. And Dr. Kyle Harris. And I, I just ditto everything that uh, Ted J. Hall, I think of when I think of Tad, Ted, I think of his father, but Tad and Emily had to say uh, on today. And as I just look back over uh, this case, uh, what we need to do uh, is continue to be vigilant. Let us as a people remember our power, uh, speak truth to power, hold these people accountable. Um, in regards to the investigation. And if this reopening of this case is not properly assessed, 
We need to, as American people, citizens of Georgia, citizens of Florida, drive these people out of office and white supremacy in these rural areas and patriarchy in these rural areas and this conservatism in these rural areas. And I'm gonna say it and the CIA may be listening and capitalism in these areas so that we can provide for our marginalized people. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to leave everybody with this. There's going to be, I doubt very many of you uh, who are opposed to the message that we are talking about now. I doubt very many of you hung in till the end. But if you did, I want to say this. I was, be, I was raised uh, by two great parents that loved me very much. But there were other members of my family that constantly told me about the war of northern aggression. That's the exact same war that Kyle mentioned earlier as the first war to end white supremacy, what we know in this country better as the Civil War, there are two different narratives in this country. Look up the lost cause narrative, the lost cause narrative. It will change, it should change the way you think uh, about the Civil War and how people tried to claim that back, how they tried to rewrite history at the end. All these Confederate monuments and statues that you talk about not changing the past, the monuments and statues were erected to change the past. We cannot have unity until we recognize what we have done the past 200 plus years to cause there to be a divide in this country and to continue the divide. And the things that we did, like trying to rewrite history, to maintain that divide because it benefited white men like me. I believe in Jesus Christ and his teachings that love will set us free. Love is the key to salvation. Love is the key to being set free from the evil that holds this world. And love tells me that black lives matter, that I have no place as a man trying to tell a woman what to do with her body. And that millions of people don't have to die by guns for me to realize that some of them need to come off the street. And most importantly, most importantly, that I'm not better than any person out there. This is Thomas White with Ted J. Hall, Emily Leslie, and Dr. Kyle Harris on Faith and Politics, a Taboo Table Talks podcast. Thank you all for tuning in.